Thank you. I mean, I do live that cat dad life, so I mean, it's only a matter of time before it becomes a human dad. Um, did you just sigh or uh, get that that yeah. thought? Yeah, I did. Today's show is brought to you by WarbyParker.com. Get a free five-day home try-on at www.warbyparkertrial.com slash holy backboard five pairs five days 100% let's go come on everybody All right, everybody, welcome to the 55th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage, chilling. So so excited to be back home in Southern Oregon. This podcast makes me be very social. Normally, I'm really an introverted guy. So being with family for six straight days, hearing all of their complaints and grievances with one another... Just makes me sick. I just want to talk Blazers with you, bro. Six days with your family? That's like four days too long, and that's pushing it. I, I know at least half of them lawyers. I love most of my family. There are some people that are very selfish, and they're a little too old for me not to say you need to think of other people's feelings for yourself. That's all I'm going to say about my family. I don't want to cause more drama than there already is, but yeah, I'm very happy to be home. It's been, I was craving my own bed so badly, bro. I just don't know how you did six days with with your family. I mean, my my, if I had a hat, I'd be tipping it off to you right now. Speaking of family, you're looking way more daddish today than than. Thank you. I mean, I do live that cat dad life, so I mean, it's only a matter of time before it becomes a human dad. Um, did you just sigh or uh, get that that yeah. thought? Yeah, I did. Today, so I don't think dad life and my obsession with this child game really works. So I, until I meet the right girl, almost any time a kid is mentioned, I do a I I, I ug at it. It's just not, I'm not ready for it. You're still a young buck. Stay Thank young. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I, I, I love playing video games and stuff, so it's it, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. This is this is a topic for another podcast. I'm just happy to talk sports. So you said it was rough spending six days with your family, but how was the food? I mean, that's obviously the, oh, the big. Oh man, having a family that worked in restaurants for most of their career. I mean, my uncle owns a rice import export called lotus foods i mean the food was fantastic i'm i'm not hating on that we had oh we the food was dynamite in san francisco you know i even went to a uh warriors game and kept screaming rip city pissing everyone in my second wait you went to a warriors game yeah man why didn't you tell me this (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) no i said it on the show i said it on the show like we the first game of this yep 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 During no. the fuck the warriors yeah. chance that we have damn near every every week, I, I said, "Hey, don't How be do you mean." Take us to the warriors. Pretty decent. I don't know. We we knew a uh, season ticket holder that gave us four tickets for free. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> they don't love us that much, but, you know, we're, we're, it was good seats. It was decent seats, and I got to yell about, I got to yell at some Warriors fans for not knowing their team and their salary cap, so, you know. Did you wear Blazers or Pelicans gear? I wear M&M gear. Well, what, what is that a P- P-Town is down. Okay. I would have preferred, you know, Blazers, M&M gear, but we'll let it slide. I, I feel like Evan would appreciate the shout-out. <laughs> oh, of course, but you got to get that Dame time tea. Uh, no, I, I'm a P-Town is down type of guy. I, I fucked with that uh, fuck with that design real heavy. Do you know what I don't fuck with? I don't fuck with this Trailblazers defense, Sage. Uh, I do not like being right on this podcast when I'm pessimistic. Back-to-back, one in three weeks that I predicted, and unfortunately, that has came very true. Uh, in fact, the Blazers have just two wins, ouch, in the last eight games. So that is not looking good. The one win they did they did take home. Let, let's start with that first, because we got to look at something on the bright side. They did get some revenge on your Pelicans on Black Friday. They won... Um, Pretty convincingly, 119 to 104, uh, AD did his thing, but that's what you want to do against the Pelicans. Let him get his 31 and 13, but keep everyone else quiet. I was really surprised that AD didn't get more than 17 um, field goal attempts. Drew looked good again. He's looking really solid coming back from his, well, it's not an injury, I guess his sabbatical, his, his, you know. Being a good husband and father. Yeah, his time off. Uh, 16 points on almost 50% shooting, um, continues to play really good defense. But I think what helped Portland best was they dared Tim Frazier to beat them again. And he's pretty hot and cold. And tonight, or excuse me, on Friday, he was really cold in Portland. He shot just 3 of 12. Portland went underneath those screens, begged him to beat them. And they also finally put a body on Terrence Jones. They didn't just let him roam around in the paint. Jones shot just 4 of 10. Overall, the Pelicans were held to under 50% shooting. So if you're a Blazers fan, that's about as good as it's going to get for this team. And you look at New Orleans' record, 6-11. and 11, You don't say that's a quality win, but the way the Pelicans have been playing since Drew Holiday returned mm-hmm. into that lineup, that is a pretty damn solid win because... I mean, they beat the Hawks. Yeah, yeah. they beat the Hornets. Hornets. I mean, The Blazers. Yeah, it's not... It's a better win than the Brooklyn Nets. There's more talent. I think they're better. I was going to say better coach, but there's better defense. The the Horn, Pelicans have better defense than the Nets. And that that was the one win of the week. I, th- I knew we were going to win. The Pelicans don't play well on the road. That was the one we had to win, or it was just full panic mode for the rest of the... It's I'm, weird. This Blazer team, game in and game out, they're not playing with the same intensity. Against New Orleans, they brought that intensity, that chip on their shoulder. Maybe it had to do with Tim Frazier coming into the arena and Damon CJ having that, you know, that long relationship with him and that those competitive juices got flowing and it really fired them up. But I don't it, want that to be like the excuse for them to play hard that so many games. You know what I'm saying? I completely agree, but I'm just looking for reasons why this is happening. Um, but whatever it was, it ignited the team. Maybe they knew they needed a victory. Um, coming home off of that long road trip because they dominated the areas they normally don't. You're looking at 64-34 points in the paint advantage, 23-2 second chance points. That is vintage 
Trailblazers. This roster last year was getting those type of second chance points, uh, point differential, point differentials, excuse me. And then they just dominated the backboard 52 to 34, um, handed out 30 assists compared to, to 20 from uh, the Pellies. That is what you want to see. You're dominating a team inside and you're sharing the basketball. There was little isolation. They were moving without the ball. They were spreading the sugar around the perimeter. And CJ loves playing New Orleans at home. We saw it last year in the opening uh, opening night where he had 37. He looked like he was about to get 57 early on. He, he had to settle for 24, but I believe he had like 17 or 19 in the first half. Dame picked it up from there in the second half, ended up with 27. And then you just got a balanced blazer attack. Um, Mo chips in with 19 points on 13 shots. He is playing Absol- his absolute ass off. Mo is easily our third best player. Um, you've got Plumley flirting with a triple-double, 12 points. 14 boards, eight dimes. And when you see your center get that many um, assists and he doesn't have to worry about a big on the other end exposing him like like Ashik, you're able to take those numbers from Plumley and really appreciate it. It's when he's getting manhandled by an opposing big man that you start to really look at Plumley and see those flaws in his game. Against a team like New Orleans, you really see him shine and you mm-hmm. hope other GMs realize that too because he is a restricted free agent after this year and with the way Portland's other restrictive free agents are performing this season, you've got to think that Neil and Paul are going to have um, – they're not going to be so quick to match. They might be a little more proactive and look to move Mason at the deadline. And Do you think he's our second-best decision-maker with the ball? No. You, you give that to CJ? Yeah, the, the guards. I mean, guards are always going to innately have a good mm. sense of what to do with the ball. Don't get me wrong, Plumley leads the NBA in centers for assists, and I believe he doubles up the second closest competitor, um, so it's not even close. So he is a fantastic decision maker with the ball in his hands. He still tries to get a little too cute with it, tries to thread the needle a little too tight when the holes just aren't there. This isn't Duke. This mm. is the NBA. The guys have length. They're going to make that steal. But he's probably number three, and that's pretty incredible for your center to have that I type just, of – I just make. feel so safe when when he has the ball. I just trust, I trust his decision making eight out of ten times. There's times where he gets like you said a little too cute, but I just I trust what he's about to do with the ball because normally it leads into a good decision, like giving the ball to the guard in the in the paint for an easy layup. If Mason just had a Robin Lopez jump shot, he would be the perfect center for this team. But what we've seen is. If he's not hitting his shot early on or not even looking to shoot, teams are sagging so far off of him that we're essentially playing four on five on offense. And in today's NBA, every player really needs to be a threat to score. Um, We saw that all throughout the playoffs, and especially with this Warriors team, which they can go six or seven guys who can score any position. Having him be so ineffective from anywhere outside of five or six feet really harnesses this team. So it almost takes away his his great passing advantage because teams are just sagging back almost into a zone type of coverage. But it's always good to look at what a player can do rather than what they cannot do because unless you're talking about all-stars, everyone's going to have their flaws. So if Portland can continue to, I think, run the offense through Plumley like they did against the Clippers and get him involved, help bring the big out of the paint because we're going to see in this upcoming week against Hassan Whiteside, Plumlee's going to have to distribute from foul line extended 
and let's work Damon CJ off the ball. Uh, they don't need the ball in their hands 24-7 for this team to be effective. Um, same thing when Evan Turner's in the game. Turner's much more effective with the ball in his hands. So I'd like to see more Dame, CJ, Crab doing those Rip Hamilton, JJ Reddit curls, um, running off double screens. They can catch and shoot with the best of them. Let's wear out those defenders a little bit and not just rely on them to go one-on-one to get buckets every time we're, we're in a pinch. So we talked about the one positive. There's okay. another positive. There's another positive. Right. What was the other positive? Myers Leonard had maybe his best game of the season. 15 points, a very confident 3 of 6 from 3 point, 9 boards, and a block. He had a great weak side block, and I was like, God damn, Myers, where has that been? And I know a lot of people are talking shit about his hair, but I like the new style that Myers released onto the the social media world um, earlier this week. Was not digging the the long mane that he was growing. And you know what, Myers? Whatever makes you happy, just do you. I you get so much unnecessary and unwarranted hate. Like you play basketball for a living, and from all accounts, you're a pretty good dude. So try not to let people get you down. I I just can't. I can't envision myself there, so I don't fuck with it that heavy, because, you know, people's hairs are different. I, it's just whatever to me. I don't I, I don't feel the need to comment on shit on Twitter like that, like that. I mean, you saw me comment about how durian smells like shit, so I, I'm coming with the hard-hitting tweets sometimes. So that was Portland's one bright spot. They won one game this week, and we knew it would be a tough week. You, you're finalizing the road trip in New York, a team up to that point in the Knicks that was 5-2 and two at home, a very talented team, even without Joakim Noah. They pull out a 107-103 victory. I actually listened to this game in its entirety as I was driving home from work on the Oregon coast from Pacific City um, down into Portland. And, Wheels you know, is a baller. Wheels is a fantastic. Um, it was monsooning like a motherfucker, so I couldn't pay super close attention to what was happening. I would just really hear wheels say Lillard passes it to, and you're just hoping the ball goes in or when they shoot, just be like, please God, no. Um, but wheels is fantastic. And, you know, without Mike and Mike wheels is really like the last of that era of blazer broadcasters. So it brought back some nostalgia for me because this is the first time I've heard wheels call a game this season, but there was no excuse for Portland to lose this game. They jumped out. I think they went up by as much as eight or nine points, and they just could never put them away. It was a game of runs back and forth, and give credit to New York. They hit the big shots when they needed. Um, going off of my memory, I believe uh, Derek Rose hit just a big shot with the shot clock winding down, and a player who I'd never heard of before. Uh, Herman Gomez. No, not him. Kuzminkas? Oh, the, yeah, that's... Never heard, never heard of the guy before in my life, but he went two of three from deep, including a dagger that put them up four when we were going back and forth. We just never had an answer. And if you would have told me that Melo would only score 17 points on seven of 22, Courtney Lee, who was our X factor, would get five points on two of eight shooting, and we would lose, I would say no way. You know, everyone's going to look at Porzingis and be 31 and nine. Yeah, he was a, he was an animal, and we had no answer for him. But it was Brandon Jennings. As soon as he got into the game, you could hear wheels just saying Jennings is at it again. Like he's stealing the ball, he's pushing it in transition, he's finding open shooters. I mean, he had 11 dimes in 22 minutes. 
um, that is getting your teammates involved in. Just whenever he got into the game, they made a run, and we did not have that answer off of the bench. Um, AC has been playing pretty horrendously as of late. It, it's tough to blame a loss on bench players, but I really think this loss falls squarely on Myers Leonard and Evan, or not Evan Turner, Myers yeah. Leonard and, and Alan Crabb. I was listening to the game, as I mentioned, and it would be Lillard or McCollum dribble in, they kick it out to a wide open Crabb or Leonard around and out, off to the left, short, long, just miss. They could not throw it in the fucking ocean. They combined to shoot three of 16 including 2 of 10. These guys are supposed to be shooters. We paid them to shoot the basketball. This is unacceptable. I understand shooting slumps and that, but newsflash, we're almost a quarter of a way through the season. I know it's only November 28th of this recording, but Portland is about 23% through the season, and time's ticking. There's no more, oh, we started off slow last year. No, we're starting to lose we're starting to lose teams like Houston and Memphis in, in our sights. Even the Lakers have passed us. It's time to turn it around now, and it, it starts with our, our bench. We know the defensive woes. Who knows when those are going to get get improved upon? Or uh, Lord knows there's not an answer right now. There's no quick fix. You only can hope for improvement. But what can change is guys who are shooters in practice transferring that over into game action because – when you see the ball go through the hoop as a player, even if you're playing YMCA ball to the NBA, you're going to try harder on defense. Defense should travel day in and day out, home road, home or road, but the fact of the matter is for a lot of these guys, their offense predicates their defense. And, you know, it's kind of, kind of ass backwards to think of that way, but it kind of does. Like when you have a swagger on offense, you want to bring that to the defensive end. There's very few guys who could do it the other way around. And those guys are all defense year in and year out. We're talking guys like Draymond Green, Kawhi Leonard, even go back to guys like Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen. They thrived on defense first. And we ain't getting any of those players. So that ain't going to fix it. It's got to be a team effort. I mean, I will say this, though. Ed Davis has played much better since being inserted. Significantly. He was amazing in that game. Early on, I mean, Ed was getting all of our buckets. He finished with a double-double in 33 minutes, 14 points and 10 boards, 7 of 9 shooting. That's the Ed Davis we've come to know and love. Um, You know, Harkless, another strong game, 15 and 8. He's giving us consistently, like, 15 and 8. Like, out of the small forward position, you can't really ask for much more, especially at his... His salary at about $10 million a year, that's a bargain, considering what we're paying Crabb, Leonard, and Turner. So I think the Knicks game was definitely one that we're going to look back at the end of the year, whether Portland's in the playoffs, in the lottery, or fighting for a better playoff seed, and be like, they should have won that game. Um, but they didn't, and they had to play the next night against the Cleveland Cavaliers, who had five games off. Uh, five days off, excuse me, before facing the Trailblazers. And I would say there was about a 90% chance we were going to lose this game. And Kevin Love made certain that was 100. He came out literally unconscious. Mm-hmm. Um, 34 points in the first quarter. Um, just ridiculous. He made 11 of 14 field goals, including 8 of 10 threes. 
he made his first six shots. Five so, of them are pointers. Like Cleveland outscored us 46-31. They put almost 50 up in the first quarter against this team. So, and, um, admittedly, I did not watch the first quarter of this game. So, I had to watch the highlights of it. It honestly didn't look like they were insanely difficult shots. It looked like a lot of pick and pop. The Blazers get lost on the the drive man, leaves Kevin Love open for for threes, which has been what we're, we've been doing against these dominant fours. We just leave them open. So it, did, it, it didn't look to me like he was doing anything incredible. Is there? Nope. Is, eh? All right. You know, he was getting threes in transition. Our transition defense, we'll talk about this against Houston, has been horrid, downright awful, no good, stinking, get it out of my TV set. I don't want to watch it anymore, transition defense from this Trailblazer team. They're not putting up any sort of resistance, and that's the problem. What makes it even harder is this Blazer team is actually trying on offense, and they're trying to come back, so you can't even like get mad at them for that. Uh, they outscore the Cavs um, by nine, actually, in the the second half, and they, they do fall only by twelve. I mean, when, when Love does that, you you envision a forty point type of loss kind of night, especially when LeBron goes for a triple double. But Damian again had an incredible night. It's it's really unfortunate that his forty point, eleven assists, seven rebound night got just completely overshadowed by Kevin Love and the poorest defense that is the Portland Trailblazers because it's just it's not looking good right now for this team. I mean, everyone could see this loss coming a mile away. It's a schedule loss. They're playing the defending champs on their home court, you know, the rest factor, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact of the matter is I would have rather have lost 88 to 100 than 137 to 125. Sage, the defense has been downright despicable. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, so I was going through the preparing for this episode. I wanted to take a look and look at last year's numbers. Everyone who's been positive, and there's nothing wrong with being positive. I'm trying to stay positive. But everyone who's been positive is pointing out to the fact that the Trailblazers were, were 7 and 12 at this time last year. 19 games, or, or 9 and 10 currently. That's that that's fine, but this year we are giving up 113.7 points per game, 29th in the NBA. Our defensive rating is the absolute worst at 113.3. You look back at last year and the defensive numbers, we are allowing 12 points less per game last year, 101.7. Through 19 games this season, we have allowed teams to score over 100 17 times through that same 19 game stretch last year. It was just 11. This is exactly the same team. Gerald Henderson was not playing with this team through 19 games last year. So you were essentially playing with the same team plus Evan Turner, who was known for being a pretty damn good perimeter defender. Um, Sage, what the fuck is going on with this defense? I mean, well, to go back to the Cleveland game, my brother and I, we thought if they get it down to 20, if they lose by less than 20, it's a I, we count it as a win just because of how well Kevin Love did. I don't I don't know what's, what's wrong with this defense. It, it's been the, 
It's the same shit, except we fight back less and we don't contest well. I, I'm running out of things to say about this team that hasn't been said by you and I for the last year now. I, I, I mean, this has been the thing that we've bitched about from basically this time last year. I, I, I don't well, understand it. We've complained about this for a long time, but looking at those numbers was really staggering. We've been complaining about it but it's gotten worse by 12 points per game. And this isn't a small sample size. This is a quarter of a season of a sample size. I think a lot of it is, I think you can go 50-50. I think it's half on the players, half on the coach. Um, like in all situations when things, things go wrong, there's always, a lot to, there's always a lot of blame to go around. No one person or coach should take the brunt of the blame. What I have seen and noticed is... This Blazer team does not have a really solid defensive IQ. Mm -hmm. They are very smart on offense. On defense, they look completely lost, uh, especially in transition. I saw a couple times I was in the arena against the Pelicans. We would lose the – we would just run down and double Anthony Davis on transition, and Ashik or Terrence Jones would be wide open for a layup. Um, The the Rocket game was a perfect example of how bad our transition defense was. We would not pick up Clint Capella – and he would just rim run for an easy slam. Or the trailer, with Eric Gordon as the trailer. We, I mean, I guess we might as well just jump right into that game, but Portland lost embarrassingly to the Houston Rockets, 130. Let that sink at 130 to 114, our second straight blowout loss against the Rockets. Um, Portland came out hot, um, 30, put 35 up in the first quarter. It was tied, only down by three at the half. Eric Gordon really got loose. Fucking Eric Gordon. I mean, 26 points on 15 shots, 6 of 9 from 3. Um, he was the, the reason they won this game. Absolutely. He helped them get a 10-point lead. Portland stormed right back in the third, but the turning point in the game, when it happened just like that, he goes on a personal 8-0 run, and we could mm. never recover. And then you've got James Harden, who was playing like an MVP this year, putting up 38-10. and 10 on 50% shooting, and what really boggles my mind are these field goal percentage numbers. 56% we allow Houston to shoot. You've got Ryan Anderson shooting 5 of 7. Trevor Ariza, 6 of 7. Clint Capella, 9 of 12. Nene, 4 of 7. I mean, that's not even factoring in Harden going 11 for 22, and Gordon, as we mentioned, 9 of 15. They're not even coming close to 50%. They are soaring above that 50% mark. And Sage, it all starts with this defense. Any sort of dribble penetration, and they're running around like chickens with their heads cut off because all defenses are, excuse me, all opponents are learning is you drive, you get one person out of position, and you just swing the ball around the perimeter, and it's going to end up with a corner three with Eric Gordon. Yeah. Eric Gordon, Trevor Reza, Ryan Anderson, any of those guys just murder from downtown. And. If it wasn't the dribble penetration, it was the fucking pump fakes. For the first time all season, I noticed just how undisciplined this Blazer team mm-hmm. was on the defensive end of the floor. They would throw a pump fake. It would be Patrick Beverly, who is not a threat from three this year. Um, it would be Nene from mid-range pump faking, and her guys would jump out of the gym trying to make a play. One, that tells me they're undisciplined. Two, are they watching tape? Three, they're probably maybe trying too hard and overcompensating, trying to make a big play. So you, you're, you're not too mad about that third part, but 
the way the season has kind of unraveled and it doesn't look like it's going to get better anytime soon, I don't think Aminu fixes this team. Absolutely not. He helps. I think we're closer to probably 109 points per game than 113, but even so, we need more people to take pride in their defense. But it also, I think, is a scheme. And Terry Stotts got away with playing a very conservative, a very vanilla, a very safe scheme, especially um, in his first couple years with the Blazers when he had Robin Lopez, he had Batum, he had Matthews, he had LaMarcus. He could hide Dame on defense because everybody else was really a really solid defender. Mm -hmm. Now players, one, they're better at shooting mid-range jump shots, just the evolution of the game. Players, if you can't shoot, you really don't have a position in the NBA. And two, our guys just, they're not good individual defenders. I was reading uh, a tweet from, I think it was Steve Jones, former Blazer announcer, his son, um, was saying the Portland Trailblazers are bad in all three facets of defense. One, on-ball, two, off-ball, and then three, um, helping the helper. Like yeah. We do not succeed in any of those areas, and you know it really makes it tough to go on any sort of a run, and that's why I'm very hesitant to say that this team is going to mimic what last year's team did. I looked back at last year's team. Throughout January and February, we went 18-4 and four over a course of a 22-game stretch. This current team has no fucking chance of doing that with the way they play defense because their margin for error at winning basketball games is so incredibly thin. Mm -hmm. There's no way you're going to have any sort of consistency over the course of 22 games. I've got some homework for the listeners. Um, How many games are we playing this week? Two. Two? All right. In these two games, count how many times there's a good, solid closeout on a jump shooter. They don't approach on defense with their hands up. It's mostly at their sides. Closing out on the shooter affects the shot. So I've been noticing that we haven't closed out hard much. So count how many times they do it. It will be very easy. Just count how many times they did that. Because I think that's a big factor in the um, in the opponents having good shooting percentages. Even when they try and close out, they close out with their hands down so Ryan Anderson can hit these crazy shots or Eric Gordon could go on an 8-0 run. I, I think them not I, – I agree with the IQ thing. I don't think it's very good because even, like, bad players know how to close out on defense. And it makes me wonder, are they not being taught that in practice? Because I, I watched Harden just completely act – like run around the Blazers like they were just stationary cones, and our guys were not moving laterally at all. There is no move movement from side to side. Like if you're gonna play with with your legs, you, you got to move side to side. You got to be quick from left to right. I, I'm just not seeing any sort of defensive intensity for this team. I think they're trying, but I think they're putting their energy into doing everything you want to do wrong on defense, mm. chasing the ball, jumping after every pump fake, committing stupid fouls, um, just not playing disciplined defense. And I think if each player bought into saying this man's not going to score on me, that would help. I, I know there, there's no Kawhi Leonard's on this team, so we're never going to be a really dominant defense. Nobody in Rip City is asking for an elite defense. We just want passable. Right now we're at laughing stock. Yeah, um, no. Aminu's not saving us. He'll definitely help. I mean, he bailed us out a lot when he was healthy with the steals, the 
the being able to switch on his man on defense, but I, the rotations are bad. The not being able to close out on shooters. When we make a good play, I find it as an oddity because if you watch them, they might get one good defensive stop, the nine just fuck ups. I don't it's, think this team is very smart. I, offensively, they're smart. I, I there are times where I'm thinking, God damn, we're dumb because I see ball handlers on this team on fast breaks dribble to one heavily to one side where the out of bounds is like another defender. There are things that we do that aren't smart, but we make it work because we actually have a good scheme on offense. I mean, just defensively, it's. I, th- I think a part of it is we are trying too hard to make these big plays when just being able to contest the shooter and then box out for a rebound is way more important than the flashy Anthony Davis style block or the game change, the, the, like, the momentum shifting steal. I did that in air quotes. I, I just would much rather see a defense that was able to contest shots. Before we move on from the Houston game, I would like to point out that Evan Turner is really not a big part of Portland's problems. He's a an early candidate for scapegoat of the year because absolutely his plus minus isn't very good. He signed a, a larger than expected contract with Portland. He wasn't the big fish that many fans had hoped or wanted, but he's played well of late. He had 15 points on 50% shooting. He's even becoming a little more consistent from downtown. Lately, uh, six boards, two assists. I think with Turner, and I think Dane Carbaugh mentioned it on his YouTube channel, The Rewind, earlier this season, the biggest thing you're a little bit disappointed with Evan is his defensive ability. But I don't know if he's being unleashed. Like, I want to see Turner go out there and just do his thing. Um, It could be stops trying to reel him in. We don't know. We're not behind the scenes. Uh, I do think Turner will only get better defensively. He's showing signs of coming around offensively. I don't know if it's ever going to be a great contract, but let's quit this whole Evan Turner is the reason we're sucking this year because it's really it's as far thing. from the truth, and it's it's low-hanging fruit, and it's not accurate um, at all. There, I was actually reading the message boards after the game, and I believe it was on Rip City 2, and a poster mentioned that Evan went on James Harden two times in a row, actually fought through a screen, and we forced a turnover. Mm-hmm. And then we never saw him back on Harden the rest of the night. Um, that's another thing to watch. Are we putting our best defenders on the best offensive uh, weapons for the opponent? And two, can we fight through a motherfucking screen? I am so sick and tired of how easy this team lets the switch happen. And I see Mason Plumley out on James Harden. It's not a good look. And that is 100% on the scheme. I know Terry Stotts loves to switch that pick and roll, but one, if you're going to switch it, you can't make it that easy. And two, you just can't do it time and time again. It's obviously not working. Look at the numbers. All of the great defensive teams fight through screens, or they trap, or they, they just switch it up. Or you they communicate. I don't, I... so predictable on one end of the court. I, I also don't think that the Blazers switch well. There's there's like a second of hesitation, which is basically an open layup in basketball terms. I see hesitation on switches. I don't think there's the trust, the communication, 
when it comes to the, to the defensive end. Because when teams trust each other, you see that. You see that I have faith that someone else is going to get my guy. I don't see that with the Blazers. And that makes complete sense. But Sage, they returned the most percentage of minutes of any team. How is there not trust on that end of the court? I mean, that's what I'm trying to wrap my mind around as a Blazers fan. Is there something going on internally that we don't know? Um, Quite possibly. Or are they just not, or could it just be they just that terrible at defense? Well, I don't think there was that much communication last year. Even even last year when people weren't complaining so vehemently, we were still like the 17th ranked defense, so there was we were below average. Maybe Chief was our voice on defense. I'm not there to really know, but I just don't think the trust. Maybe there's something going on. I just don't see it right now with this team. And, you know, to be honest, if they want to stay within shouting distance of the Northwest Division, it's going to have to start this week. They have (laughs) a two... What's funny? You're just grabbing your tongue, getting the hair out? No, I had a cat hair. They have two games against Eastern Conference opponents... Neither of them are above 500. Both of them are at home. They get the Pacers, who are going to be playing without um, Paul George. And, and CJ? To, he is possibly out, too. Um, and they're going to get the Miami Heat, who are 5-12 and 12 on the season. Uh, they're 3-7 and seven in their last 10. Obviously, we know no Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade left in free agency. They're really left with just Hassan Whiteside. These are two games that Portland has to win. And I think if you're on the bandwagon that the Blazers are going to turn it around, which I would love to be on the bandwagon. I don't see it just yet. I want to see some results first. But if you're looking at the Blazers as that team in the preseason that everybody thought would win the division, myself included, they need to handle these teams. Mm-hmm. They, they can't dick around with them and win in fourth quarter shootouts like they did against the Kings and the Nuggets and the Suns. They need to play solid defense, not great, just solid defense, and put them the fuck away. Because the schedule gets very tough, very quick, and December is a brutal month for Portland um, as they hit the road. A lot of away games. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. They have a five-game road trip immediately after the Miami Heat. Um, in fact, eight of nine are on upcoming after the Heat. They're eight of nine on the road, and they play a total of nine road games in December. And Sage, the road trip is brutal. At Chicago, who handled them? earlier this past week at Milwaukee, at Memphis, at the same Indiana team, and at the Clippers who have just destroyed us with ease. And that's the last Clipper game of the year, correct? Last Clipper game of the year. Right. Oh, the one home game sandwich in between this road trip, the Thunder. And then you go on the road at Denver, which we were saved by Damian's heroics, at the Warriors, which, I mean, let's be realistic, that's probably a loss. And at the Kings, which has been a tough arena for Portland to play at. So you're looking at a scenario where you're just praying that Portland can stay two, three games below 500. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds really terrible to say, but they're going to have to really tread water and not go on any three or four game losing streaks. They're going to, they cannot go one and four again on the road. They've got to find ways to win, but it all starts at home. Portland has been really terrible this year at home. Um, I sent out a tweet last night after the game you know, we've only won two games against teams over 500. 
Um, the Jazz were one of them, which you could probably put an asterisk by that one because of all the players they'd injured, and they continued to hover in and over uh, that 500 mark. So Memphis was really the best win. Um, we've allowed 113 points per night. But maybe more shockingly than all, we are 5-4 and four at home. Um, in my opinion, it's one of the best home court advantages in the entire NBA, and we are not doing a good job of protecting our house. Um, in fact, it seems like any time we go up against a good team, home or away, we're getting blown out. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a major red flag um, for me. If, if you're competitive and losing these games, I don't think you're seeing the panic that, that is set into Rip City right now. But the fact that we are just getting our, our we're just getting our, our shit kicked in. We're getting and dominated. We're getting we fucked up. We're getting destroyed in every area of the game, and. These are teams that look like they're going to be playoff contenders, and we just look like, hey, we might make the playoffs. We might decide not to. Um, we don't know if we're going to accept that invite yet. We really need to to turn it up, and I can't stress enough. It starts against the Pacers on Wednesday. I, it's one of my games. I will be there. Um, as you know, the Pacers are coached by former Trailblazers coach Nate McMillan. We mentioned Paul George is out, which is huge. CJ um, Miles, CJ questionable. And if anybody remembers. CJ had 27 points on 8 of 11 shooting from 3 last year in Portland, so he definitely lights up the Blazers. And then Kevin Serafin, he, he's out with a knee injury. Is Miles Turner still hurt? He hurt I don't himself so. against the Thunder and then was game-time decision a few times. Because he played a pretty good role in their 21-point victory over the Clippers without Paul George. Mm-hmm. So Portland cannot look at this line and say, oh, there's no Paul George, we're just going to win. If they do that, we're going to get our ass kicked. And I pray to God we don't think we're we're that good that we can just waltz in and beat the Pacers without Paul George because we're playing like shit right now. And we really need to kind of take that to heart and get that underdog mentality, that chip-on-our-shoulder mentality back. It's so fucking cliche, I know. But it really goes a long way when you're thinking of a team like Portland, who's undersized, probably undermanned a little bit. Outside of Dame and CJ, they lack a lot of star power. They have no interior scoring. So to get that extra intangible, you really do have to play like you want it more. And I think this is going to be a game we really need to look at how Terry Stotts defends the Indiana Pacers because will Portland take the chances on defense? Indiana commits... 15.2 15.2 turnovers per game. That's 22nd in the NBA. They give up 18.2 points per game off of turnovers. That's 25th. So they're a team that, that will turn it over, and they will allow the opponents to cash those possessions in for points. Without Paul George, I, I don't see a player on this roster that is just going to break you down one-on-one. Mo- I don't Monte s- might a little. Monte might, but, uh, but again, if, if I'm Portland... Take some chips. Trap the ball. Mm-hmm. If you're trapping Jeff Teague and, and he's he's passing it, you know, you'll take your chance. Paul George isn't there. C.J. Miles isn't there. I I know they still have a, a good set of guys in, in Indiana, but they play those starters big minutes. They play Paul the big- and uh, C.J. And so for all the I'm kids out there, uh, for all the kids out there, do not Google C.J. Miles's name. Because it is also a porn star who is way more famous than the actual C.J. Miles that plays basketball. Thank you for that, Sage. Just a glimpse to the public of how gross of a human being I am. Sorry, Bob. But if if I'm Portland, I, 
I can't stress enough, take some chances. Indiana wants to cough up the basketball. They're not just going to do it on their own. you got to force them into it. And we are young, we are athletic, and we are long. We should be running on the break, getting out into passing lanes, and igniting that crowd that wants to get behind this team. Um, for Portland, they it's going to be tough because they don't traditionally get a lot of steals or a lot of blocks. They are both they're 28th in steals per game, 6.6, and 21st in blocks, 4.7. And we force the fourth least amount of turnovers per game at 12.6. So that's a really tough... I mean, you're asking a team to really break out of their comfort zone, mm. but... We're so risk-averse. identify a weakness... I mean, the Blazers' defense is just so risk-averse. And we don't it's have the solid fundamentals. What's that? It's like they're playing not to lose on the defensive yeah. end. If we had a solid foundation of defense, I get being risk-averse. But we don't. We're fucking awful. You've, their stats showed it. Your eyeballs showed it. it, it they're just awful. There's no redeeming factors of the defense. Take chances. But I don't think we will. And it'll be a tighter game than it's supposed to be. Um, What's your X factor, Sage? I'm going Blazers bench has to outscore the Pacers bench by a significant factor. The, the Pacers play these players a lot. Uh, Teague, Monte Ellis, Glenn Robinson the third, uh, Thad Young, and then Miles Turner if he's playing. They play them a lot. The bench for the Blazers needs to show up and show out for this home crowd. Because I, I think the the post Matt like I don't think Mason Plumlee is going to get bullied by whomever the center is. So it's time for the bench to really show how valuable they are. So I'm going bench play. I've got two X factors. My first one is Jeff Teague. Portland has shown the capacity of being very lazy with their passes. They cannot do that against Jeff Teague. He is third in the league in steals at 2.1 a game. I could easily see him taking over a game defensively, playing the passing lanes, getting easy buckets, and keeping this game closer than it should be. Mm-hmm. My other X factor is Glenn Robinson the third, because in Paul George's absence, um, he's been killing it. He's been killing it, and these are his numbers combined over the last two games. 37 points, 13 of 19 from the floor, 5 of 7 from deep, and 12 boards. Both 20-plus point wins for the Pacers. So whoever draws that defensive assignment, Mo Harkless most likely, needs to take it like they're guarding Paul George because Robinson has put up big numbers. They're winning without PG-13, and... Portland just has to want this game more than Indiana. Do you think they finally get back to 500's age? I think they get the win, but I think it's going to be much closer than most people think because the team, I mean, they're still fighting for that playoff spot, I think. So I don't think they'll lay down so easily because they do have professional basketball players with hearts and passion. So I think the Blazers will win, but not as decisively as we hope. I think it'll be a very similar outcome to that of the Pelican game in Portland, where it's close all the way through, and I think Portland's going to use a big third quarter um, to push the lead up to 15-ish, and and then they'll hang on. So I think it's going to be a very quality win, which would lead them into the heat on Saturday. Oh, I got one more question about the Pacers. Who do you think the one Pacer dude that will show up and play above what he normally 
plays like? Is it a Thad Young? Monte? Jeff Teague? It was Glenn Robinson probably for me. Okay. You? I think that Monte might get about might get 30 on us. Also, watch out for Al Jefferson. Yeah. If we're talking about guys who can get busy, he always kills us, whether it was with Charlotte or Utah. We have nobody who can handle him down low. What about the Myers, dudes, just as a physical specimen? I know he's going to become a foul monster, but at least physically he could maybe deter him a little bit. Maybe. I mean, Boogie's still got 30-plus on us, and Myers played pretty good D. Well, I mean, comparing Al Jefferson to Boogie now seems a little unfair. I could definitely see him going Boogie off on Al that. still gets busy down low, and mm-hmm. if you're that close to the hoop and Portland has no rim protectors at all, Myers can do the best job possible. But Al Jefferson is still going to turn over that those shoulders and, and give him the business with those hook shots. He's get, he's done that since 2004. He's got um, that old man game. Yeah, his game doesn't age, and Portland's weak in the middle. Um, if if Indiana wins this game, it's going to be because of Al, Al Jefferson. Before we break down the Miami Heat, let's take a quick commercial break from our sponsors at Warby Parker. For you, the listeners of the Holy Backboard podcast, Warby Parker is offering a free five-day home try-on to give you an opportunity to check out their glasses. Warby Parker keeps their styles highly curated, fashion-forward, extremely wearable, while including high-quality lenses and coatings at no additional cost. It's everything you need in one easy package for your glasses needs. To get your home try-on today, go to warbyparkertrial.com slash holybackboard. Again, that's warbyparkertrial.com slash holybackboard for your free five-day try-on. All right, welcome back, Rip City. Uh, Sage, let's dive into the Miami Heat, and I actually think this is going to be a difficult test for the Trailblazers. We all know the Heat are a different-looking bunch than we saw last year. There's going to be no Chris Bosh as he's still dealing with his heart and um, potential was it, blood clots in his mm-hmm. lungs, which is just incredibly scary, and we hope you know he gets everything taken care of. Um, Dwayne Wade obviously moved on from South Beach to the Windy City. Uh, Justice Winslow is battling a wrist injury. He'll be questionable. And Deion Waiters has a growing injury. He is also questionable. Um, but while they don't have all of those players, they do have one of the best big men in the league in Hassan Whiteside, a player both you and I coveted in free agency last year. Um, to me, the biggest question is who defends this monster in the middle? Uh, he is number one in the league in rebounds per game at 15.1, number one in the league in offensive rebounds per game at 4.6, uh, fourth in the league in blocks. He gets 2.5 of those things a game, um, number four in points in the paint, 12.9, and an incredible 6.1 second chance points a night. That's number one in the league. So you see he lives in the paint, and he does a lot of damage for the Miami Heat down low, an area that Portland is not really – verse you know is not really set in defending so it's not inconceivable for me to think that one player could win this game because we have no answer for this dude absolutely none i mean do you, could could you see this being the luke babbitt revenge game 
because he is a starting power forward for these Miami Heat. With the way we play defense, if we give him open looks, he's going to knock him down. Like, we cannot let him go off. And that's the scary thing is if Whiteside gets going early, you know, you're going to have to double. And if he kicks it out and you got open shooters, all it takes is one to go through the net and their confidence is sky high. And then they're on your rhythm and they're expecting the ball and they're expecting it to go in. And it's going to be Eric Gordon all over again for this Blazers team. Um, they are going to have to win this game down low and they're going to have to win it on the defensive end of the court. Something they really haven't done all year long. Um, Portland allows over 47 points per game in the paint. That's 25th in the league. Um, they give up or they allow their opponents to shoot an amazing 46% from the floor. Again, 25th in the league. Unless they decide to, to put an onus on defense, they, they're not going to beat this Miami Heat team. Uh, because Whiteside, while he is dominant on offense, is equally dominant on defense. Um, a, a lot of questions I have going into this game revolve around Whiteside. Mm. Is Lillard going to be able to finish over Whiteside like he did a Rudy Gobert? Um, are we going to move Hassan Whiteside in the pick and roll? Are we going to bring him out with Mason Plumley initiating the offense? Is this a Myers-Leonard game? If he hits a couple threes, is he going to bring him out like he did Marc Gasol and Boogie Cousins? And then lastly, this is not Hassan Whiteside, but... You and I and all of Rip City know that Portland loves to give up big nights to washed-up point guards. And no point guard really has had more success against the Trailblazers than anyone other than Goran Dragic. Are you saying he's washed up? Oh, yeah. He, he's done. He's not the same player he was three years ago. Well, I mean, that scheme, all that shit. I, I actually still have faith that he – I think he's going to kick our ass, but I think it's because he's good. Not just well, because of our scheme sucking. No, it's because of our our scheme. Our, I think gonna... it's a little A and B. When I watch the Heat, I think, eh, this dude still has something left. Something, but he, he's still a little washed, though. I guess, but when I watch the Heat, I see him sort of playing that Gentry style where it's a lot of motion offense. But this is when they had Justice Winslow. Now I think the, the Heat are just going to try and dirty up the game. Because they have they have significantly less talent than the Blazers. What do you do? You make sure there's less possessions in this game. So I don't think it'll be the free-flowing offense, but I could see a lot of pick-and-roll with Hassan that lead to alley-oops and stuff like that. But sorry for interrupting. Go ahead with your uh, Goran Dragic point. I mean, he's not completely washed. He's just not the player he once was. He did have 27 points and 17 assists in a loss uh, tonight against the mm-hmm. Celtics. But, I mean, they're starting dudes who have no business really getting significant minutes. Derek Williams at the four. Luke the Bada swag rapper. Um, Whiteside is legit um, at the five. Dragic is pretty good at the one. But who is McGruder? That sounds – Rodney McGruder. I, I've never – I mean, the name sounds vaguely familiar, but I've – don't think I've ever seen him play in the NBA, and he's he's starting for them at, at the at the two, and their their bench isn't really anything either. This is a, a game that Portland needs to take seriously, and they need to just figure a way to work around Whiteside because nobody else on the Miami Heat really should give them a lot of trouble outside of Dragic. And if if you're going to lose to a Dragic Whiteside duo. You might as well cancel the season because it's not going to get any easier. And this is not a knock on the Miami Heat. They are a very dinged up basketball team on the road 
in an environment where the Trailblazers should be favored to win. And Saturday night, Rip City, fans should be ready to go. The players just got to give them something to cheer about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to love their bench. when they Last year, when they had Dwayne Wade and Bosch played a chunk of the year, players like Josh Richardson, who we talked about on this podcast in March, were playing really well. But those bench players that were surprising are now playing significant minutes for this team. So the depth is fucking atrocious. But they have one humongous advantage in this game with Hassan Whiteside. I think he's going to be the type of defensive presence that Anthony Davis was in the first game with blocking shots and making players change shots. So I think the the humongous X-factor is how we play Hassan Whiteside. You mentioned in the Indiana game that the bench is going to have to come up key. I think it's actually the Miami game where I, I really look to the bench to lead the way. You mentioned a lot of their bench players from last year are playing big minutes for start, in starting roles this year. So that leaves guys like Josh McRoberts, Josh Richardson, Wayne Ellington. Uh, he played James, his first game tonight, too. James Johnson. Yes, he did. Wayne Ellington did. James Johnson. Um Maybe Udonis Haslam. Portland's bench is better. We sure as hell pay more for our bench, so we better get better production out of them. But it is a better bench. I think Portland needs to have a significant advantage. It's time that we start dominating other teams' benches. There's talent on the roster after the starting five, and if Portland has any chance of turning the season around or starting to live up to the expectations that were placed upon them based upon last season's success, a lot of it starts on defense, but I think a significant amount also has to come from the bench because Lillard and McCollum, and to an extent Harkless and Plumley, they can't do it all offensively. We need some help. Guys like Alan Crabb, who they're getting open looks, have to knock them down. Um, Evan Turner's came on of late, as we've mentioned, but Myers needs to continue. Even if he's missing, catch and shoot. I don't want to see him hesitate. If you hesitate, go to the bench because you're not going to make it if you hesitate. He does get into rhythms when he makes his first couple buckets, and then he's just a monster. That's the Myers we need. I would love to see more Jake Lehman. Um, I think the crowd just gets in, gets just a little bit more energetic when he's in the game just based off of his his previous you know um, performances. And he's got the ability to just be a lockdown shooter, which we thought Alan Crabb was. Um, and outside of Damon CJ, we need that third, third shooter. Um if it's not going to be crap, it could be layman. And then I still want to get Von Lace in minutes. I mean, if we're going to play so mediocre, we might as well see what we've got in this 21-year-old kid who was a lottery pick in 2014. It does us no good to not only lose games, but get, keep him buried on a bench in a front court that's, quite frankly, one of the worst front courts in the league. I mean, what is the thought process for Stotts playing his starter? Playing not playing Noah Vonley, just to see what he has. If we're going to lose games by blowouts, why not just throw him in? Maybe he makes a defensive stop that no other big on our team can do because of actual athleticism and defensive fundamentals. I think he's the best defensive big we have on the team. I think I, I think that's what Neil Olshay said last year. Why the fuck haven't we played this dude? My guess is maybe we're trying to showcase Myers before that December 15th deadline uh, when he is eligible to be traded. 
Um, Byers is a, a better, sh I guess. See, he has the he has the the aura about him that he is a better shooter, but but numbers wise, they're they're not that different. And Myers is just really consistent. Myers is a bigger body. Um, Ed Davis production wise, you know what you're going to get out of him. But I, I don't understand why we're not giving Noah more minutes. He's the best defender on the pick and roll. He's athletic. He can grab rebounds and. He just has the most potential of any player on the team, probably not named Damon CJ. So at this point, you know you're a mediocre basketball team. Why not try to find that diamond in, my, in the rest? My, my thought process on this, because I see it with the New Orleans Pelicans, I don't think it's a surprise to anybody in basketball Twitter, for instance, that Gentry's on the hot seat. There was so much hype about him, and the Pelicans have failed and are probably going to fail this year. He is playing, when Dante Cunningham was healthy, Dante Cunningham 40 minutes a game, and Buddy healed 5. Do you think that Terry Stotts is on the hot seat, and because of that, he is playing Myers Leonard, who is a more proven, quotation marks, vet, and that he gives the team a better chance to win a game? I think it's a valid point. However... I don't think at this point in, in the season that you can put stops on the hot seat. Um, let's see what happens the rest of the year. I mean, I know the numbers don't back it up, but this team did turn it around last year. So I think it's only fair you can believe that has a possibility of happening this year. And I'm never a big fan of really in-season firings unless things really go to shit. And to be honest, it's, we're a shit show on defense, but we're we're still we're still about a 500 basketball team. I know it's under expectations, but I wouldn't put too much of it on Stotts. You got to put a little bit of blame on on Neil, um, and you got to put some blame on the players for not living up to those to those deals. Um, it's tough to sit here now and say they should have done this or they should have done that because we don't know the options. We don't yeah, know what was on the table for this team. Hindsight is twenty twenty. No free agents ever come to Portland, and whether you think they deserved it or not, they were one of the final eight teams last year, and they gave the Warriors all they could fucking handle. All signs pointed to this team going in the right direction, so you cannot really blame um, Neil O'Shea right now for saying he did this, this, and this wrong. I think the only move in the offseason that really was questionable was re-signing Myers. And that was probably with the hope of using him as, as trade bait. Mm -hmm. um, with that said, looking back, I mean, he still made those decisions, so you still have to hold him accountable for it. But you still have to hold players accountable for, for their actions as well. And guys like Alan Crabb and, and Myers and um, Turner early on, they have not played well uh, up to their contracts, up to their abilities. And I don't know why it's happening, but it is. Is it on stats? Is he not motivating them enough? Is he, is he too nice of a guy? Um, I, I don't know. I think he is a good coach. I think he is an elite offensive mind. You and I have said it. You have been the champion of this forever. If he's really going to be the long-term coach of this team, he has to, absolutely has to hire a defensive coordinator to install a defense because I don't think he knows what he's doing on the defensive end. I know he knows more than more, more basketball than I'll ever forget. Fact of the matter is, his defensive philosophy has always been conservative. It's always been pretty weak, and it's never going to be one that's going to lead this team deep into the playoffs. We need a better defensive scheme, and 
I think Stotts can do it as the head coach. He's obviously a player's coach. He's great on offense. But you need there's two sides to every story. You need defense. Defense wins championships. We need that defensive coordinator, and we don't have it right now. I don't know why it's not there, but maybe in the offseason that, that coach will be there. But until that happens, I mean, I think you're going to look at the same results for a while because the personnel is just not there, and it's not going to fit well with the scheme. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think he's in the hot seat yet. I mean, if you read basketball Twitter, you'd think he's going to get fired tomorrow. But keep keep that in mind that he might be on the hot seat, so he's making decisions to save his job that may or may not benefit us three years down the line. But I, I I'm flabbergasted why Myers gives us any better chance at winning. But my co-host likes your hair, so that, that's positive. I mean, I think Myers, I mean, I, I've said it since the first, first episode. I think he has talent. I think he's got potential. It's all upstairs with Myers. If he can just clear clear out the cobwebs up there and just play basketball without thinking of what's going to go right or what's going to go wrong, he's going to be a really good player in this league because of his skill set and his size. He has all of the tools. He is just the classic case of of an overthinker. And... You see it when he gets into a rhythm, when he gets confidence, he's a completely different player. Um, but when he's down on himself and he's probably reading the press clippings, he's it's night and day what you're going to get with him. So I don't know if that's ever going to change with him. That's why you, you might look to move him if you can. So if they have a good game, it's always good for me because, yeah, I won the Blazers win, but you know we got to boost the trade value for some of these players because we've talked about this since the offseason – a consolidation trade has to happen for this team. We need to trade in a couple of our Camrys and get a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a bit of a bummer coming on tonight to discuss one of the worst, actually the worst defensive team in the NBA, but I do think we're going to turn it around. I think we're going to get two wins this week, get above Ooh. five. And I think I, we're going to get one. You think we're going to lose to Miami? I think Hassan might be a little too much for a standoff. I think we're going to beat Miami, and it's going to be 2-0, and 11-10 and 10 on the year, and I think we're going to take some momentum to the road. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen now. Again, Portland just needs to tread, 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 tread. Stay around 500 and, and wait for those home games to start coming. Hopefully, the defense just picks it up. So if you're watching the games in future weeks and we're still losing, how are we doing on defense? Are we staying competitive? Now, if we see all these same habits through Christmas, then you can really panic and probably start looking at the draft lottery standings on a daily basis. I've already started looking at mock drafts right now because I'm a draft nerd, but... How uh, how many college games have you watched? What's that? How many college games have you watched? I I try to put it on. Yeah. I've I've been watching a few, but normally it was for the Pelicans, not the Blazers. This draft isn't really the best for our team since it's mostly a point guard draft. There's a few players we'll talk. I will talk about if the shit gets bad. I'm not. I'm not gonna drown you out with fucking draft talk when we the 16th hit team or some shit. All right, uh, I think that about wraps it up this edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. Uh, please subscribe on iTunes. Uh, give us that five-star rating if you'd like what you're hearing. We are also available on Stitcher and SoundCloud. 
at Holy Backboard PDX. And we are on uh, social as well, Instagram and Twitter, at Holy Backboard. And if you'd like, please send us an email at HolyBackboardPDX at gmail.com. Uh, Sage, it's been great to talk hoops with you. It's nice to vent with, you know, your best bud about hoops. It hasn't been a fun year, um, especially for me. I'm a Ducks fan. Football has been dead to me for a while. I was really, really looking forward to this season. Obviously, like a lot of other people, had pretty high expectations, but there's still a lot of season left. Hopefully, we can turn it around. All you can do is just, just hope and pray. Watch the games, enjoy them. Um, but for real, keep track of how many times they uh, close out hard and keep put their hands up on defense because it isn't much. So you'll be able to count. Uh, yeah, hit us up on social if you want to vet. Fuck it, I'm I'm free. I don't have shit to do. Talk to me about it. I can't think of any better way to. Uh... <laughs> Sign up on this episode. Good night, Rip City. Peace. Let's go!